Yes, hello. This is Andreas Antonopoulos, a big fan of the BitSess shows that you're currently doing. Um, Michael Tidwell and Dan Anderson, you're doing a great job. I really am really curious on who the next guest will be. I think you said it would be Joan Looney. This is going to be really great. What I wanted to say is the topic that y'all brought up the other day was very interesting. I believe we are in a time where security is going to be paramount. What we will have are negative fees on the Lightning Network. Now, if you think about Visa or MasterCard, they already do cash back. So if you have undeniable immutability and guaranteed transactions, you will probably end up having a bigger cash back fee. It just makes sense. So just wanted to leave my two bits here on the voicemail and um big fan. Can't wait to hear the next bit sesh, Dan. Thanks a lot. To return the call at your normal call rate, press hash. Welcome to another Bit Sesh. This is Bit Sesh number five. This is a mini series of unconfirmed transactions. Don't call it a comeback. And I'm here with Joe Looney. Joe, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, like uh, I think you're doing all right. So hot, and I want the winter to come so bad. But other than that, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah, it's probably extra hot in the city. It's, it is out of control here. And I have to turn off the AC while I'm recording. And it just becomes like, ugh. But what are you going to do? Um, you know, Joe, I think people are going to know you best because of Rare Pepe. Would you agree? Sure. Yeah. And before Rare Pepe, what were you doing in the blockchain space? Were you sort of like a lurker, follower kind of guy? Or were you on other projects that people would not know as much about? Um, yeah, I actually like probably the main thing that I did previous to Rare Pepe was the, uh, the Tokenly Pockets Chrome Wallet. Yeah, I love that. It's basically MetaMask, but before MetaMask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's it is pretty funny how that that happened. Um, yeah, it's fun, it's funny to see everyone using MetaMask because I was convinced that nobody was going to download this this Chrome extension. <laughs> well, say lovey, but um, is that still live? Like, if if I wanted to use um. Tokenly Pockets, um, is that still a thing? Um, I think they they rewrote 
the wallet. Um, they used uh, they forked copay, um, so they could do like multi sig stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. it, I think it's actually like still in the Chrome uh, web store, like the one that I made. But it probably doesn't work because there's probably some APIs that are just like dead that it's trying to call. Yeah, but the gist of it was that you had actually made what pe- if people are familiar with MetaMask, imagine the same exact thing, but instead it's just counterparty. So, I mean, that's exactly what it did. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I did that. That was uh, 2015 that I wrote that. So, <laughs> yeah, and it, it really did do the same thing as MetaMask because uh, I had built an integration with uh, letstalkbitcoin.com so that, like, um, on each article or, uh, it was like each podcast or uh, blog post, um, there'd be like a little tokenly pockets tip button and you could click on that and it would just like similar to how MetaMask, like kind of, they, they use content scripts to inject stuff into the browser, like buttons and, and stuff to kind of make it seem like it's like all just within the web page. Um, I did this, I had the same exact thing set up with, uh, with tokenly pockets so it literally is like the exact same thing as metamask but with counterparty would it be possible to have a metamask that similar to how um indie square wallet just updated such that they support ethereum and counterparty could there be a metamask fork that does similar things yeah yeah i actually i mean i looked into that for like a hot minute um and they're like their code base is a little like chunky so i was like not really interested in kind of peeling through it to to integrate yeah. something so uh but yeah you could absolutely i mean metamask is open for or open source so you could fork it and kind of create your own with counterparty integrated also okay uh, and let's let's is there well is there anything further back than that or did you just skip right to making wallets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I actually, uh, I started with just like, um, like messing around with um, coding. Um, like I had been really into writing code and stuff when I was in high school. Um, and then I kind of dropped it when I got to college. Um, and I'm, so I'm 33 now. So it was kind of like a, a gap of maybe, I don't know, 10 years. Um, and then I just picked it up again with when I got interested in Bitcoin like five years ago um, because it was like, oh, here's this cool new thing. And like the whole idea that anyone could, could interact with it um, like without asking permission was pretty cool. Um, and I actually, the very first thing that I made was a, uh, gambling site, <laughs> um, that I just, it was not like a public thing. It was like to try to get my friends interested in Bitcoin. And, uh, they were like, one of them is now that. like got interested in the last bull run, but it basically was just a site where you could like post a event and then, um, people could could like bet against the house. Um, and it was like, nothing was like really that automated, but it was, it was a funny project. It was, it was, uh, but that was, yeah, that was probably the first thing I did. But, um, 
there were like little apps and stuff that I, <laughs> of course, the first thing is gambling, right? So, um, I think that's really funny that that's the first thing you did. Yeah, yeah, no, it was the first thing like like getting back into coding and doing like web development stuff. The first idea was to build a gambling site. So, it makes sense. It 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 it, it totally it totally maps to uh, this space for sure. So interesting. It just uh, I, I asked you that because sometimes we start from like you know, hey, what's up, and you move forward, right? So I, I think uh, to not assume everything, right? I want to hear about just some curious things from the past and whatever you got going on. I've been trying to do that with my guests and try to try to dig a little bit further into their past than people usually do, instead of like you know the the pace of blockchain is like a week ago is like wow that's a long time ago, right? Yeah, no, I think it's good. It helps give like context to like um, how like like kind of how people react to things now. Like if you know a better idea of like the uh, like what they've their what their journey has been, I guess, in the crypto <laughs> space. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about Rare Pepe. Are you familiar with Rare Pepe? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that one. Was a f- You've heard of it? <laughs> uh, no bamboozle. Um, so Rare Pepe Wallet is a site that's probably your biggest project in the space, most well-known, most successful. Um, and what that is, is it's a sort of, what do I want to call it? It's a, it's a counterparty, counterparty wallet, but it's sort of skinned and specific to Rare Pepe. Is that low correct? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way. Like, like a it functions similar to the same way that Counter Wallet functions, except the UI is like way better. Yeah, and it's not built on Counter Wallet code base. It's completely from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And when you were making that, you had some experience. I think now that we've gone through some of your history, it seems like the the experience of making the tokenly pockets thing as wallet that sort of no, having built that you knew you could achieve that uh rare pepe wallet right Does that makes yeah sense? yeah yeah definitely and i i borrowed a lot of code from that project like all the the like counterparty uh like javascript library that i had written previously for that um, is what's in what are some of the what are some wallet? of the what is what are some of the because not a lot of people have made crypto wallets so what are some of the difficulties you come across when trying to do that like you said you mentioned you started it like from scratch it's not just like taking the counter wallet and reskinning it it's it's doing similar things but with its own code so what yeah. are some of the the gotchas I think the biggest challenge is like feeling comfortable that your private key management solution is secure. Sure. Um, yeah. Private keys so, are always like the scariest part of crypto. Right? Yeah, it's like exactly. radioactive waste. Yep. And especially like if you're writing wallet software, like you don't want to be the guy that like wrote it real shitty and um, like you, you're leaking your private key. Um, sure. So I took like, I took a lot of pains and I posted a lot of things on, uh, stack exchange, just general like security, um, like for how I was using um, like encryption as far as um, it, you 
the every wallet that I've written, it gives you the option to encrypt your locally stored passphrase um, mm -hmm. with AES 256-bit uh, encryption. Um, so that was something that I kind of like. I mean, I'm no expert on that, um, but I, <laughs> I Googled a lot of things and searched a lot of Stack Exchange and asked a lot of questions and tried to get people to tell me like, no, no, don't do it that way or like, um, just, just really to kind of get a firm grasp on, um, kind of how data is stored in your browser if, um, and, and stuff like that. So I feel pretty comfortable, um, with how I've done it. Um, but I, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some weird zero day vulnerability in like the, like local storage in your browser, um, mm -hmm. that nobody knows about. So it's obviously there's a risk to keeping your private keys online or on a computer that's online. So just, you got to use best practices with that kind of stuff. But, um, I feel pretty good about it and I would, I would love if people would look at the code and tell me it's bad and a better way to do it. So, <laughs> and so when, when, when was that launched? What, like, do you remember, do you have like the date or the month? I mean, obviously it was probably like, like early wallet. yeah. Um, it was early September, uh, 2016. I don't know the exact day. Um, oh, I could probably really? tell so you when. Basic, so you must have, Rare Peppy started and you must have started coding on it right away. Yeah, well, I don't know if you remember um, BTC Pay Market was a site that I had made. Oh, you, you see, I thought that that was something you made after Rare Pepe Wallet. Oh, so that was, that was prior to that. Um, I made that over the summer in 2016. Um, and uh, it, it was, it was cool. Like I, I saw it as kind of a alternative to using something like a swap bot or something, which is pretty popular in the counterparty space. It's just like a, it's like a shape shift almost that people can run. Uh, anyone can run. Um, and I kind of wanted to show that like, no, we have the ability in counterparty to, um, to basically do exchange for Bitcoin and counterparty assets and, just that previously it had been kind of clunky. So that was my F like that was me trying to create a less clunky way to um, use Bitcoin on the decks. Yeah. Cause a swap bot or uh, like you were saying would be custodial. There'd be a, a trusted third party basically in between that trade. Whereas with BTC pay, you have the ability to uh, it's, Trustless, but aren't there some gotchas too with BTC Pay? Well, the biggest and that's thing, one of the reasons, like, I mean, there's like an extra step that people don't expect, right? Yeah, and and there is a problem with that, just in like how it's designed, um, because like the way you can use Bitcoin on the Dex is you have to do a two-step process because you can't escrow Bitcoin like within Counterparty. Um, so the two-step process is first you have to match the order, um, which you do without sending Bitcoin. And then once it's matched, um, it's pending for 20 blocks. And then you have to send the Bitcoin within those 20 blocks for it to be valid. Um, and if you, yeah. so, so 
I think, I mean, anybody that's familiar with Bitcoin might start to see what the problem is. And that's if we're in a kind of high fee scenario um, and your transactions aren't getting through in 20 blocks, um, you risk sending your Bitcoin after the order has expired. And so you're basically just giving away your Bitcoin and not getting the asset on the other side. Um, so that is, that's a big, that's just a problem with the design of it. Um, most of the time it, it isn't a problem, um, <laughs> cause you pay enough fees and you get your transaction in within 20 blocks, but, um, it, it definitely is, could be a problem. So counter wallet, um, like back when counterparty was released, they tried to kind of do those two transactions automatically, but it was like really unclear that that's what was going on in the UI. And so people would always just like close the wallet, be like, oh, this didn't work and close the wallet. And then your second transaction wouldn't send. So you'd just like waste the transaction fee matching an order and never completing it. Right. Um, yeah. So think, oh, go ahead. I think, well, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just, I, what I would add is that it's the, when you're making, these kinds of when you're doing anything the the user expectations like are set sort of by the experience and the language we use so you know in a, in a dex order on counterparty if you put up a, a sell i can match it with a buy it's just two transactions boom boom but so if you're used to that and that's like what you think of the experience as um if you try to use the bitcoin um the first match like you were saying it's that's actually not the trade. That's more like in a, a pre-agreement to perform a trade, which is um, not what's expected. And it's almost like maybe we should talk about it as like have we have like a DEX and we also have like an OTC market or something. And that's why it's interesting that you went off and made a BTC market um, for that. But do, is, do you think there's a, a big demand for that kind of a feature? Um, I think there would be if it was easy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I accomplished making it easy. I think I made it easier. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the whole idea of calling it a market instead of an exchange. And basically like I only allowed people to sell assets and not sell BTC because you can do it that way too. Um, where you put a, like a Bitcoin sell order up. And then someone can match it on the other side. But that's even more complicated because what it does is it creates a transaction happening in between your transactions. Um, so basically, you would put the order up, um, someone would match it, and then you have to send the Bitcoin. So um, that's even more complex because you might not be, you don't know when that match is going to happen. So. Right. Um, I was like, um, we're not going to do that at all. Like I took completely took that option out and I basically just made it so that you could sell any assets you have for Bitcoin and then people could buy them. Um, and they would just have to do two transactions, one right after the other, after the first is confirmed. Um, so that made it like a little easier, I guess, to understand because it was just a market where you could sell assets. Basically, it was not an exchange where you could like swap Bitcoin and assets. So um, you know what I think would 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 make it viable? You, you'd have to ha you'd have to have a market maker. You need to have somebody 
who showed up with like, all right, like I have this much Bitcoin, this much counterparty or whatever. And like, I'm just going to sit here and exist as a market maker. Um, I think that would make it a little bit more valuable. Yeah, it's still tough. It's t- the the idea of doing two transactions is just you make it you can make it really like as easy as you can think of to make it, but it still seems like weird. Like it doesn't. It's not a natural thing, like user experience. Um, yeah. So I have that's that's something that's would need to be like tackled i think but i i think it's possible to solve it i mean um you can like create both transactions and kind of have like a um think of like a different kind of way where like um like i thought of a few kind of schemes where you could basically like email like yourself the signed transaction or something and then like you would only push it to the network if the first one confirms um but it's it's still it's clunky. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of gave up. I I was like, no, yeah, sure. I uh, I made it the the be- I like made it the best I could with the market, and it worked. It like it worked. Um, and there's actually a uh, a guy um with the NVO project that kind of like rebooted it. Um, I think it's NVO. No, yeah, it's NVO, and I think their token's NVST, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, he just kind of he contacted me, said we're like putting this thing back together, and if like, and I was like, yeah, go for it. I mean, I put it up on GitHub; anyone can do what they want with it. So, um, yeah. but yeah, but that so that was kind of how I was able to jump right into doing Rare Pepe Wallet because I had already built a, a wallet, like a, a web wallet. I hate to say web wallet because people think like like a blockchain.info where like they store your private key, like even though it's encrypted, um, like rare private wallet doesn't store any private keys. Like you're never even sending your private key out of your browser. So um, it basically, and the same thing with counter wallet, it basically just like, because it's all written in client side JavaScript, it's basically when you go to the website, you're just downloading a program and then just running it in your browser. is the easiest way to sure. it. Okay, I'm going to try to get us on a different topic because we went so deep into the weeds um, with that that we lost all the people. And that was just me and you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, no I, like, think so, I think some people will appreciate that. I mean, the people that are I, really into counterparty stuff will. Sure, no, I, I agree. I'm just kidding. I, I, uh, I like getting technical with technical people. So, so where Pepe Wallet, you, you have this. So basically, you do a little pivot, and that was fortuitous and interesting. And you present where Pepe wallet. Um, did you pe- when you first like announced it or published it? Did you just like blow people's minds? Um, yeah, I mean, everybody really did like love it in the rare Pepe group. Um, because it was different, right? It was, uh, it was not just a wallet. It was like a wallet with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been at, um, Bitcoin meetups in New York city. And seeing people like sitting there with their laptops open, trading on Rare Pepe Wallet. <laughs> That's awesome. I I was like, it was like an out of body thing. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so 
I have a, a voicemail number if for people that have been following the latest bitch uh, bit sessions, you can call in at one eight 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 OK coins and leave a message, and maybe you'll get on the next show. So we have a voicemail I'd like to play now. Um, see what your thoughts on this are. Let's see here. Is Pepe Cash a viable currency for the current economic situation? <laughs> I mean, what's what's the current economic situation? He didn't <laughs> specify. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Pepe Cash is a funny. It's a it's it's been kind of a funny thing in uh, like counterparty world and. Uh, rare pepe world it's uh i definitely were making rare pepe wallet i didn't set out to make like a a token like a like a pepe cash um but it's uh it's it's been interesting well when it when rare pepe started there wasn't any pepe cash right it was just trading cards and then it became sort of like surprise distributed by mike on the to- on uh, certain early cards right yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, let me check because I got it open. It was like the first three, wasn't it, or something like that? It was later. It was uh, the eleventh card. <laughs> that makes no sense. But the I like eleventh, the eleventh card, series one, card eleven is Pepe Cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, but I mean the ones that it was that it was distributed on. Oh yeah, no, that was the first three. Yeah, yeah okay. So it was that's because. Um, those were the only cards Mike had made. So because you can only distribute dividends and counterparty on the ones tokens you've issued. Right. Um, that's why he did it. There, there was no like real like reason behind, <laughs> behind it. It was just, those were the ones he had made. So those are the only ones he could distribute to. And then let's flash forward to January, 2018 you helped organize an event called the rare art festival in new york city and that was very successful talked about it on my show a couple times um but when you went to that event and organized that event so because because i feel like we just talked about pre almost like pre pepe history um but that that was sort of like a, a big moment in terms of like uh meat space so what was that like having coded this thing um been been uh i guess they call you the godfather of rare pepe don't they <laughs> uh, that was what uh i think jason bailey uh our gnome had coined that um yeah I, I think he wrote that in one of his blog posts but what was the experience like of uh meeting people did that make you nervous are you comfortable like in the limelight like that like how does that um, make you feel yeah, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable like meeting new people and stuff. Um, I guess I was a little nervous just because I was like giving a talk, um, but uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was the the um, and just to kind of like take a step back. I didn't I didn't do anything but come up with the idea to have a like a a festival meetup kind of thing. Um, I didn't plan it anything. That was all mm-hmm. the. Uh, Tommy from Rare Art Labs that did all that. Um, but no, it was a lot of fun. I, I got to say, I think that the most fun was meeting all the Rare Pepe people in real life. Um, 
that were there because there were a was bunch. everyone just how you imagined them like, kind of it was like it was like it was almost like um you meet somebody and they tell you what their handle is and then you look at them and you're like okay yeah that that makes sense like, <laughs> um which is good because it's like all the people that you get along with and you're all yeah uh, mm-hmm in the telegram group together. So it, that was a lot of fun that m- meeting everybody at, uh, cause there's a lot of people around New York area and a lot of people traveled, uh, to come in. There were a few guys from Canada that came. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was good. It was interesting meeting. I tried, I tried to, um, I tried to get gauge interest for a counterparty specific, uh, conference that was at the same venue, same kind of format. I got a lot of interest. But I, I don't think it's a very viable uh, conference at this time. Like I, and so I, I scoped it down to a meetup, and I had like three different counterparty meetups here in the city. But it's just hard to get people to turn out for some, such a specific kind of meetup. A lot of times people where I would rather just talk about like blockchain generally. You know, put a blockchain on it, and then people will show up, right? Yeah, or, or like Ethereum-centric seems to get people showing up too um sure yeah i mean there's like a certain market cap required to get like people that <laughs> literally leave their houses yeah i mean you might even be better off calling it like a, a bitcoin token meetup or something like that like i think maybe <laughs> people don't know like what counterparty is but they like the idea of tokens and they might like doing tokens on bitcoin um so th- that's a funny th- thought but tokens right this word tokens when I first came across Counterparty, it, it was still up in the air whether, you know, because in Counterparty, we kind of usually refer to things as assets, right? Yeah, yep. But it seemed like everyone's converged on the word tokens. But I remember when that word was like, it just, it was so weird to me. It was like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's still kind of like, what does it mean, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's like the only other context for a token is like an arcade. Or like a like, bus or something. Yeah, yeah. Or bu- yeah, or bus, something like that. It's like not, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not something that's worth anything, really. It, it, it's a token before crypto is like a fixed value. <laughs> yeah, I have yep. one token. It's worth like one gameplay, right? Yeah, like um, I, had, I guess it's I still tokens, that that still yeah. works. Huh. Hmm. Now. I'm sorry if uh, I lost my place here. Um, I ha- I do take notes. I I really should take better notes, but my notes are like the way that I take notes is <laughs> I like doodle, <laughs> and I like uh, it's not in a very logical pattern. So uh, give me a second here. So at this point, the Pepe Foundation is no longer certifying rares. Obviously, um, that's well understood by people at this point. Now, when before that decision was made, uh, you must have had an idea of like what post certification would be like. What do you think about it now? Do you, does it match with what you expected? Um, were you surprised by projects like Pepe Vote and things like that? Um, we've seen Pepe kind of be taken on by the Ethereum community. Can, could you just speak on that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I really had 
any idea of what would happen afterwards. I just know that we got to the point, we being the Rare Pepe Foundation, um, got to the point where it was just kind of, it wasn't as fun as it was before um, when it was new. And it just kind of felt like work, you know, like going through and we would get a ton of, like the, at the very end, we got a ton of submissions um, in a short amount of time. So we just really didn't, <laughs> thought we'd jump the shark a few times. So uh, we just kind of shut it down. But I don't know that I had a lot of, thoughts as to what was going to happen afterwards um i i think it's fine the the like pepe vote and even the like pepe dap even though because i give them a hard time just because i think a lot of their stuff is like a direct ripoff which is kind of lame um yeah it's like it's like they're stenciling over yeah existing like, i don't know like, why i do that I, it just doesn't make any sense to me it seems like just just lame um, but I guess in general, I, I don't, I really don't mind Pepe's on Ethereum. It's kind of the way they went about it. I wasn't, uh, didn't think was like that cool, but, uh, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. Hmm. Did you see some of the, um, the latest Pepe votes? I mean, cause it's a thing now and they're, they're certifying through votes or whatever. Um, the first few, have you seen them? No, no, I haven't. I haven't really been following it. Um, have Have they certified a lot? I mean, I know. I think it was. I think it's week two or three. So that they only do two a week. Okay. Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah. Um, no, but it's interesting. I mean, I get it now because I, I started Bitcoin, right? So, um, what I've, what I understand, that you understand, that other people don't is that people are real serious about their rares. Um, they take their rares <laughs> very seriously. You'd probably see that um, in any sort of community of like collectibles. Mm, that's true. That's, that's fair. Um, now, next I'd like to talk about Bitcoin Mash. So you may know this uh, already, but on episode two of the Bit Sesh, I had on Might Be Mike. Might Be Mike created BitcoinBattle.com um, using the API from the Bitcoins game that I've made. And that's been really neat to see. And then you've submitted a card called Bitcoin Mash. <laughs> and you were just like, Give me this card, certify this, make it part of your game, and like I'll do something cool with that later. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> how you how you submitted it. Which I was so I was just like, okay, here you go. Um, but let's let's talk about that. And what what is Bitcoin Mash? Hold on, wait. Ah, oh, man, you know what? I am gonna play a voicemail. You know, maybe this three podcast a day thing is not the right format. It's <laughs> <laughs> burning me out. Hold on. Let me play. Let me play this voicemail here now. Mr. Dan, we having no idea what is Bitcoins, but why are you don't growing also beet potato for making vodka? 
This is best suggestion, da. Okay, da, svidanyo. So what is that like, your uncle that called in? <laughs> do you know who that is? I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> um, so Bitcoin Mash, let's talk about it. Because that seems to be your next project. I mean, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why don't you speak about Bitcoin Mash? Yeah. Um, well, when I saw you do Bitcoins, uh, when you came out with that project, um, I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of do a, a cross project uh, token or asset, um, which is, I think, one of the like really kind of innovative things that you can do with tokens, like um, as opposed to traditional uh, in-game assets or or whatever you would want to call them. Um, is because they exist outside of the game, so you can you can kind of merge games together uh, that aren't necessarily have anything to do with each other. So, I was thinking with Bitcoins, like what could I do uh, to combine Bitcoins with rare Pepe's? So the the best I could come up with is uh, making rare Pepe moonshine with with Bitcoin Mash. So. Um, I like how you say that as if that's like a super obvious idea. <laughs> yeah, I just I just settled on rare Pepe moonshine. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me how how that one came up in my thoughts, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I thought I thought it would be you're, funny. You're, it's you're, you're, I, I imagine you were on the toilet. <laughs> well, I do a lot of thinking about rare Pepe's on the toilet, so. Um, so, but I, what, so what does that mean, though? Like, what does it mean to have a rare Pepe moonshine? So, the idea is uh, that you can basically combine bitcoins in the form of Bitcoin Mash, which is a um, like an asset in your game, um, and rare Pepe's, and combine them together, like distill them together and create a new token, which would be your moonshine token. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of settled on the name Rare Spirits. Uh, so it's kind of a play oh, on nice like, like spirits as in alcohol, but also like you're burning Rare Pepe's. So now they're spirits. So I, I thought that kind of had a nice uh, double meaning to it. Um, so yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, once I have time to finish it, uh, it'll be pretty cool. It'll be uh, kind of just like something you can do with your rare Pepe's. Uh, and it, the more people that make uh, rare spirits, the, the more rare the rest of the Pepe's will be, right? Because you have to burn it to, to make them. So, so I, I, cause could you talk more about like, do you, I mean, have you, are you still, uh, kind of like uh, iterating on how you think it could work functionally or oh, so do I, you have that kind of settled down? Cause yeah. Yeah. I've got that pretty much worked out. Um, did you want me to go over like exactly? Yeah, no, I, but I mean, I can, unless it's like some, you're worried someone's going to like take it between now and then. I don't know, but like, oh, uh, no, it's no, it's fine. I just didn't know if it's like too technical for your, uh, for your no, we, we, we went into the BTC pay, pay thing. Let's <laughs> go into this. Cause you're saying, All right. 
me write let me to, all right i'm willing to make a i want to make a rare spirit i need ingredients to make that spirit ingredient one is bitcoin mashed and that's a card from the bitcoin game and you need any rare pepe yeah so or, uh the idea is you can burn any rare pepes you want um and as many as you want but you only have a window of time to do that. So let me, uh, I can go through the steps because um, I think that might, it might make more sense if I do it that way. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, so you've got the basic idea, right? You combine, you're, you're combining Bitcoin mash, which is a, an asset from the Bitcoins game. And then you're combining that with rare Pepe's uh, that are found in rare Pepe wallet and, and the, uh, the infamous rare Pepe is. So um, basically uh, the, the steps you would go through, uh, which I'm going to uh, build into a UI. Um, the first step is you're going to pick your, you pick your bottle. So, so the idea is you're going to, you're going to bottle this rare spirit that you're making. So the first thing is you're going to pick your bottle and picking your bottle is a transaction. Okay. Um, and what that transaction is, is you're, you, the user uh, that are uh, creating this rare spirit, are going to create an issuance transaction um, of a numeric asset in Counterparty. So, um, for anyone that doesn't know, a numeric asset um, is just that it's not letters like most Counterparty assets you'd see. It's, it's just numbers um, and it doesn't cost any xcp to issue that um so you'll issue uh the asset um in the description of the asset um will be a uh json link like the the standard counterparty kind of information link that mm -hmm. will have um the bottle that you picked uh the name that you gave it um any other like information i'm kind of parsing out what else i want to put in there like if you, so, like you would have it so i i start with your ui and i say i like that bottle shape it's like walking into pottery barn i want to i want to mess around with that shape yep. um and you give me a json file to put in my description or am i responsible for creating oh, so, you, so you're gonna pick you pick a bottle and then a form will come out and it'll ask you to um, put it input a few different things. Um, mm -hmm. And so what you're going to input is the name of the rare spirit, like the name that you want to give it. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of playing with some of like a description, um, maybe like your name. So the person that's, uh, that's uh, like making by. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so very like basic information like that. So you, you would fill out that form and then um you'd click okay and it would cost you a bitcoin transaction fee so because all that's doing is it's creating a, a numeric asset issuance um mm -hmm. for you the user so but that doesn't it doesn't show up because so that the whole idea of me doing this is not like a it's not a regular wallet um as far as the the uh like creating the like the rare spirit and distilling the rare spirit. Um, it's kind of going to walk you through steps and at certain points in the steps, it'll, you'll have to pay a transaction fee because it's going to do a transaction in the background. 
And then at the very end, you'll end up with your rare spirit asset, essentially. And that rare spirit asset is is numeric asset. So yep. like the numeric asset you create is also that's the thing, right? Exactly. But it's not it yet when you create it initially. Is there going to be the an, an option to have named assets, or, or is there a reason you've selected the numerics? Is it because there's no registration fee? Yep, that's exactly why. Um, I think I, I only foresee like I I foresee this more as like a proof of concept, not like a real kind of like like obviously when it's done it'll work and you can create these things but um i don't imagine it like evolving into like a huge project like a like rare pepe wallet style thing um mm -hmm. but uh no i do i do um i do like that with numeric assets there is no there isn't the um the hurdle of getting xcp mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of, I mean, obviously there's the hurdle to um, acquiring Bitcoin Mash and some rare Pepe's, but um, I wanted to kind of leave out the, the hurdle of XCP. So um, that was the whole reason for the numeric asset. And since basically uh, the idea is it's going to be like this bottle of moonshine, my thinking was um, I would, it would have like a batch number. And the batch number would be the numeric asset number. So you kind of like it would kind of like be integrated into the hmm. uh, the asset itself, like the uh, the rare spirit itself. And then in terms, of, so I've picked a bottle. Uh, what the bottle looks like, or is it like a label, or is it like the liquid inside? Like, what are we affecting when we, when we select different Pepe's? Um, yeah, so so let me I'll I'll work through the steps and we'll get there. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, I'm... <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Why don't you go through the steps and I and I won't interrupt you because otherwise we'll never get to Yeah, I want to answer your questions, but uh, yeah. So the first step is picking your bottle, and that'll literally be like bottles on a shelf that you click on to pick your bottle. So you're not like drawing it as an artist. You're literally picking a bottle off a shelf. Um, the second step is gonna be to um, start fermenting. So the way you start fermenting is you burn your Bitcoin mash. So that's gonna be another transaction where you send your Bitcoin mash to a burn address. And then in the memo of that send transaction, you're going to put um, the numeric asset ID that you created in step one. Um, along with a couple other, like there's like a bigger payload. So with that, um, you're going to put a hash of the JSON file that's in step one. Um, and then there's going to be a, uh, a bottle type variable, which will just be a single byte. Um, the fermentation time. So my thinking is you can select the, uh, time that to ferment, which is basically the window where you can burn rare pepes. Uh, the idea in my thinking was you could have longer times would uh, indicate a higher proof. So that's so this the next step after burning your Bitcoin mash is going to be to add pepes uh, to to the fermentation. So um, you're gonna that would be burning rare pepes to that same address that you burnt 
the Bitcoin mash with the same memo style as in step two. Um, so everything, and I still have to come up with a, a formula, but everything is going to affect the proof of your rare spirit. So um, different things. So a longer fermentation time will get you closer to the highest proof. And and then burning pepes, like the, the more pepes you burn and the rarer you burn will also increase the proof, like get you a higher proof. Um, so that'll be a, like an indication of, I guess, kind of like what's in the rare spirit um, as far as like what, what, how rare were the things that were burned to create this, uh, this rare spirit to kind of like give you an idea of like, that'll kind of set the, I guess, the value of it. Um, so that's my thinking there. And then also, um, I, I have a couple ideas on how to kind of combine um, or overlay images of the Pepe's that you burn to kind of make this like a custom um, label for the, the bottle. Because what I really want to avoid is any like user created art because that's not what I, I don't want to be a curator like when I was a rare Pepe scientist. Um, so the the rare spirits um, UI will basically create the you'll pick the bottle and then depending on the Pepe's you burn the the label will look a certain way. Um, but you don't affect as a user you're not doing any like custom art on that um so yeah so that's the first step picking your bottle that's issuing the numeric second step is burning the bitcoin mash third step is however many pepes you want to burn um and the link the thing that links um all three steps is um the memos of the burn asset burns have information that point to the numeric asset so um at the very end, um, there's basically a defined process, and and you and I were talking about this earlier, basically about like how you can kind of maybe build kind of layers into Counterparty um, that give it kind of a similar um, effect to the user as some of the like um, smart contract stuff that's been done in Ethereum with like crypto kitties and stuff like that. Um, so the idea with rare spirits is, um, you get this functionality. So it feels like you're combining assets and creating a new asset, but really what's happening is you're creating a new asset, destroying assets, and then linking all three, oh, like like the two of those mm -hmm. actions together. Um, so yeah, so the final, basically the final steps um, are to wait for your fermentation period to end, um, which is your period to burn rare pepes. And then the, the final step is bottling um, the, the rare spirit and that's the lock uh, issuance transaction that locks your numeric asset. So basically, okay. like yeah. So the basic steps are: you issue it, you burn stuff that then gets linked to that initial issuance, and then you lock that issuance. So that gives you the effect of creating a new asset out of 
other assets. So I'm pretty. I'm, are those all? The, are those all the steps? Yep, and that's all the steps. Okay, I have some questions. Can I okay. ask some questions now? Sure. <laughs> I was patiently waiting. Um, first question: Can the proof be over nine thousand? Possibly. <laughs> I haven't I haven't decided on my, my formula yet. So we, we could well, we, you know what? What we could do is um, the idea was to normalize all the different variables and then have a set like top end, right? So um, the the top end could be like or maybe it could just be nine thousand, and you can never get over nine thousand. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so when you um, generate your um, your asset, it does it have tokens, or is it supposed to be like just a just like a stub of an asset where it's just a, a name, or can you have like ten issuance of oh, your I'm, bottle? I'm kind of like going back and forth on that. I I think Maybe. I just want to do single issuances. Mm -hmm. I think that'll be more fun. Um, and that's also because I really want to show that um counterparty kind of has can have similar functionality to ethereum when it comes to stuff like this but um just way more um secure, so, you, so your um your your idea for a ui is not a wallet but it would be helping you generate transactions right yeah, so I'm going to basically build it as an add-on to Rare Pepe Wallet. So mm -hmm. it'll kind of be like a in-wallet thing that you can do. And then that way, because that's where most people have their Rare Pepes anyway, and then um, they would just need to get the Bitcoin Mash asset, and then they would have everything they need to do it. So check check this out. Um, a, a, a feature, because I was on a call with Might Be Mike, and we were kind of musing about kind of cool changes. And one of the cool changes we came up with that I think would make this idea uh, even easier would be, wouldn't it be neat if you could um, issue, you could do multiple asset changes in one transaction, for example, like you could issue and lock at the same time. You could issue something as locked. Yeah, I think you should be able to do that, definitely. Or you could, um, I mean, in in the vein of like how to do uh, CryptoKitty stuff on Counterparty, or like this, you know, all the different iterations of it. Uh, it'd be neat to be able to like issue, lock, and transfer. And I think we've talked about that on the forum before. Um, but it's feasible, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason why. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. I think a lot of messages in Counterparty aren't really utilizing space very well. Um, as far as like what's available in op return. So um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. So yeah, I think I think having the ability to, to issue lock transfer all in one is, is a no brainer. I mean, if we can fit, and I, and I don't see any reason why you can't fit all that information. Um, it, you'd basically just, it would, it would just limit you on your um, description basically, because you'd have to steal space from the description. But, um, I think that would be completely feasible. We should definitely do that. Yeah. Well, there could be like recombinations of like 
you i mean you could do them all in one or you could like update your description and lock it no i guess you couldn't do that because the way we lock but uh you could you wouldn't have to necessarily like do it all at once like you do the description as a second transaction but you achieved everything in the first transaction that you wanted um because i think it'd be cool like to do sort of like a crypto kitties style thing where it's like all right like i'm gonna my software or whatever is gonna issue you your your pet you know you're rare you're good and it's gonna give it to you like if i don't want it to have issuance i just want it to be an asset um i could lock transfer it at the same time i think that'd be super cool um, yeah but yeah i almost don't i don't think that that's even necessary though um, okay and that's that's kind of what i did with with bitcoin mash um you you can just let the user issue their own asset and then you can your basically your wallet can choose to recognize it no i understand i understand that your design doesn't require it i just think it would be a neat uh i just bring it up because i like to think about different changes um basically what you're designing to me sounds like a protocol basically you're designing a protocol that's what it sounds like like these are the steps and if you complete these steps it's valid under the protocol and because it's a protocol i mean like i run these sites that kind of index assets and if i was interested in sort of displaying rare spirits i guess the way i would go about it would be i would look at the balances of the burn address and that would give me and then i would look at the memos at that burn address to find the different um numerics or spirits that have been sort of uh started at least and then i would check each one to see if it actually uh was valid under the protocol is that how you do that yeah that's exactly right yep and what's inter what's interesting about that is that it doesn't rely on an api um well well it relies on like the counterparty base api but like it would be possible to reconstruct it without having to like say you are hosting a website rarespirits.com or whatever it is like it wouldn't be reliant on the existence of that site to persist basically right yeah i mean i think of it a lot like it's very similar to counterparty itself um it's just a a way of kind of creating transactions or messages even like how counterparty is um and then a way of kind of reading those back um to determine if they're valid or not um, well I, th I think it's really clever and i could see people iterating on it in a lot of different ways but i think it's super clever um and what do you <laughs> what do you expect people to do once they have a rare spirit put it into their uh their liquor chest or something yeah well i'd like to see um I'd like to see other projects kind of recognize them. I think that would be cool. Um, oh, for sure. And yeah, yeah, I think I could see people trading them. I could see people giving them away. Um, it's just another, it's just a new, a new thing, right? And it's a, it's kind of a direct descendant of of Rare Pepe. So I think, I think it'll be it'll be a fun, fun project for people to play around with. Um, and I have an artist that's doing all my artwork and stuff, so it should look pretty cool. Wow. Well, I think that sounds awesome. Um, I think we covered it pretty well. Is there anything else you want to say about it? Um, no, I, I guess um, the only other thing would be it's 
it's very similar uh, to like breeding crypto kitties and getting a new crypto kitty. Um, hmm. But it's it's like that kind of on purpose. Um, yeah. Because I because I could have just made it breeding rare pepes, but that would be kind of lame, right? Because somebody else already did that. So um, I thought this I thought this was more fun, um, but it also does show that a lot of the functionality um, that people think is is only doable when you have uh, a virtual machine and something like Ethereum. Um, you can do it in something like Counterparty. You just have to be a little creative. You know what I think maybe you've uh, invented? So I think you may have invented crypto alchemy. Yeah, I like I like that. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have done that instead. You can make uh, you can make like Pepe ecstasy pills instead of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think I think people will iterate on it for sure. Um, I hope so. I I think we could even make it. Um, it would be cool to to make it easy for people to create their own protocols for this kind of stuff. So like in the same way that people write their own smart contracts for Ethereum, they kind of, you can create your own kind of meta protocol for counterparty where. Yeah. Like maybe, um, I guess it wouldn't come to the level of a SIP, but I mean, it might not even make sense to make a separate thing, but it, it would be like a, it would be like that where it's like, here's a repository where we have like just sort of different standards that are deployed across the network. So um, what are they, is, is it basically it would be like ERC, but for counterparty, right? Yeah, I think there's, and you can do like an informational SIP. So I, I think it would be, it, it probably would be, that might be the way to do it, um, to try to get it standardized for, for people. I mean, I would, I would be cool with seeing as this, this kind of stuff as SIPs because it's, it, it doesn't, there's not, enough activity i would say to maybe i think it makes sense like it's like we can go make a separate repo but it's like for why i would say yeah 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 no it's, it, it, it would make sense like, to... it makes total sense to me and i mean i'm trying to think of like other because it's, it's 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 an interesting use of i mean what's cool about it to me is like you've taken um what I, like the different features and you've recombined them in an interesting way like there's so many ways to you know, people complain sometimes and they're like, oh, we don't have smart contracts where I can just code anything. And it's like, but have you even stopped to think about like the ways that you could actually use what exists? Because like, I don't think you have. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a general problem with smart contracts is like, there's a lot of downsides to being able to just code up anything in a, a VM. Um, I had a conversation with, some Ethereum or an Ethereum guy about this recently. Um, and you basically in Ethereum, you only have one thing that you know to be true all the time as a user. And that one thing is that you can send Ethereum. That's it. Everything, on that. everything yeah. else in Ethereum where you interact with contracts you have no kind of expected operation. You, you don't really know because everybody can code their own contracts in their own way. So you don't really know 
if they're using best practices or even if those best practices are good. Um, and so that's a real difference with something like Counterparty where the platform is built around this kind of subset of message types and actions. So there's a, there's expected actions and, and how things respond in Counterparty that you can pretty much trust are always going to work the same. But in something like Ethereum, you don't really know that. And that's where we kind of run into stuff with like pause functions and upgrade functions. And um, it's. It... Yeah. And you have like they, they have ERC 20 is like a quote unquote token standard. Right. But they have other ones, too. They have like ERC 444 or something like that, or 420. They might have there's like 782. I don't know. They have different standards for how tokens are issued on yeah, Ethereum. But, yeah. So that's. Party, it's like if I if you can support if you support counterparty you support all tokens like tech, like you could like if you I mean you can filter out ones you don't care about maybe in your own local database but like if you support counterparty you support all of them whereas if you're making like a marketplace on Ethereum for these rare collectibles and you just support ERC twenty you know the, you, and even if you support ERC twenty the developers may have taken the code and maybe they added their own little function and they're like, yeah, 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 like we are using that protocol. But maybe they've actually added something where there's like a breaking feature that isn't even like known yet until it's too late, right? Yeah, and uh, I came to find out that those like ERC-20, that's not really a, um, a way to write a token contract completely it's just it standardizes what the in like the transfer in and transfer out functions of the token contract are so that like if you wanted to make an exchange you would know how to interact with the contract like just to use the same function names and have the same functionality but it's it doesn't limit you so like for example the crypto kitties contract is an ERC-721, which is the, uh, that's the non-fungible tokens, which is, I think is like the stupidest name. And I can't believe that that took off. Um, the NF, everyone calling them NFTs. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's, it's like, it's so funny that the, the things that catch on. Um, so that contract, that, that standard, that 721 is like the ERC-20, where it just kind of standardizes what the, the ins and outs uh, of the contract are for people to interact with. But that contract also has pause functions, which basically allows the contract owner to freeze all the tokens within the contract. Um, and it also, I believe that one also has upgrade functionalities, which kind of lets contract owners introduce new functions to a contract. So effectively rendering it centralized um yeah i mean that those two features really do raise the question of like i mean it's almost like a trope but it's like that's like literally why don't you just use a database yeah no it really (laughs) is the only reason to not use a database is that everybody has geared their kind of um sites where they're like like exchanges and stuff like that have geared their sites towards 
interacting with these contracts in a specific way. So the the way you would like literally centralize it would be to change that up a little bit and just have like you need to have an API on your site like into your database that functions this way. But it would be funny if someone created kind of like a bridge contract that basically just like connected to a database, like a centralized database. That like that might be pretty right. funny if somebody did that. Like, well, I think I think that that's what Ethereum sidechains are. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. They're like, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just no, invented li- Ethereum literally. That, that's exactly what they are. Um, except yeah. they have kind of like the the multi-sig. Or I don't even I don't know if they have multi-sig, but they have some sort of proof of stake scheme built in. Um, so I hear I haven't really done a lot of research into that. Sure. Well, that's interesting though. I mean, I I only recently found out that the way that these things work is um, similar to Bitcoin. Ethereum's not like aware of the the protocols for tokens built on top of it. So you have to use what they call wrapped Ethereum. I only recently found that out. Did you know about that? Oh, I don't know what that is. And it's like, I mean, they, it, it looks like counterparty, at least from that level, where it's like, all right, we well, we need this token because the the base layer token or whatever, like the main token on this chain, isn't really aware of us. So we create one that is aware. Uh, what's what's kind of funny to me is it, 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 I guess it doesn't make sense to trade because it, it is like kind of like you put in your, you lock it up and you unlock it later, your Ethereum. But it, I wonder why they don't trade wrapped Ethereum. I guess it doesn't make sense to, but it'd be interesting. I guess they are trading wrapped Ethereum actually. When they're using their DEXs, that's what they're trading. But you're not gonna yeah, find it on like a Poloniex or whatever. Yeah, that seems that seems odd to me just because like you can interact with Ethereum contracts with like Ethereum in your wallet. I'm sorry, pardon me, what'd you say? Like you can you can interact with a con an Ethereum contract with just standard Ethereum in your wallet. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm not, I'm not really getting what that concept of wrapped Ethereum is. Well, I I guess I didn't look too deeply into it, but I think it's it's very similar to why the counterparty exists, the XCP token exists. But um yeah, no, I'll look all into right. it. So I think the last thing I want to talk about, it's getting a little late and the last couple of things I want to talk about. Um, let's see. This this is more of my own personal interest. What do you think about the um, the, the destroy function? Because I think burning in counterparty is like a very popular feature. It's obviously it's one of the more used features. That's not a feature. It's kind of a funny thing um, because burning isn't technically a feature. It's just like a thing that is almost. It's almost a foundation of counterparty, though, because there was the burn and there was this burn address. So it's people. It's it's almost like uh, it looms large over us. But uh, when you burn, the database in counterparty, the ledger doesn't update to do that. So knowing which tokens are burned and which aren't is almost like an oracle problem. Like you need to know what the burn addresses are. Um, and I've been doing some stuff with my Explorer where I'll like mark addresses as burn addresses. Like if they have 
a certain number of like X's or if they have like the word burn in it. I, I mean, I manually do it, but it's, it's, it gets back to it being sort of like an Oracle problem. Um, but there is like a feature in Counterparty that's turned off where you could destroy issuance and actually update the ledger. But what's funny about it is even if it was turned on, it's like there's already been so many burns done this other way that I don't think people would even use it. Like, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think, um, like, would say, I think burning is great. Like, it's a, it, being able to destroy uh, assets has definitely had a lot of use in a lot of these different projects over the years. Um, and I have, I actually tried using the destroy function. Like, I just crafted, I used my library and just created a destroy message and uh i got an error so it is yeah it well, is turned it's, off yeah it's but, uh, um yeah i i don't know why it was turned off um i never got a clear story on that i thought there might have been an issue with it like it wasn't logging destroys correctly or like you could destroy and reissue or or something like i think there might have been a bug with it, it be. and that's it why be. it was turned off um, but yeah, I do think there would be the problem if it, if it were to get turned back on now, um, cause everybody, it's kind of, well, I guess everybody into counterparty now knows about it, but were counterparty to be bigger. Um, it probably would, it probably would take over as the, the main way to, to destroy your assets. Um, but yeah, no, it is interesting. I, I think it was, uh, so, cause obviously that there was an intent to create a message like that um, from uh, the guys that wrote Counterparty initially. Um, so the idea was always there to, to have that ability. So it's kind of been good that you can do it, even though that that function doesn't exist. Um, but I think, I think burn addresses are kind of an interesting thing um, in general uh, when it comes to, so, so I got into uh, an argument with, uh, Krista Rose like years ago um, about using op return versus um, op check multi-sig for encoding counterparty transactions. And um, his thinking was, well, you can prune op return uh, because they're not spendable outputs in a Bitcoin node, but you can't prune op check multi-sig because they're spendable, so you risk um, not having the correct UTXO list if they were to be spent sometime in the future. So you can't prune that. Um, and I kind of had the idea like, well, if we were to kind of go to the ultimate extreme and say, well, any, anything sent to a burn address isn't spendable, right? Why can't we prune those outputs if we wanted to? Right? Um, it's because of the Oracle problem. Like, how do you know that it's a burn address and not just um, an address that's been, like, mined? Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's that's somewhat... I guess, yeah, you do need an Oracle, but I don't... I don't know that that's an impossible problem to solve um, programmatically. Yeah. Well, I, I well, I had a little Twitter thing with him about this this point because, um, I mean, I don't know specifically the way that he means printable, 
but the design of OpReturn is to be provably prunable from the UTXO set. That's like the design. That is its intent. That's its design. These outputs that are the OpReturn outputs don't spend any Bitcoin. You can know that, so you don't have to care about them, at least with regard to the UTXO set. That's the that's the set of transactions of, that represent the Bitcoin in circulation that's not been spent yet, that nodes, especially miners, keep in memory, which is a resource that's constrained a lot more than disk space. But you would still have them on your disk space. Unless you're doing something very strange to make your node, your, your blockchain history, like I, it doesn't make sense to me to, to slice up your blockchain history to remove certain outputs to save, you know, hundreds of megabytes. It, to me, it doesn't make sense because disk space isn't constrained, but it does make sense that they're not the TXO set. Yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts on it too. I think it's kind of a, a non-problem. Yeah, and, and, and also the thing about it too is like, it doesn't matter what other people's nodes do. It matters like what your node does. So if you care about like data in OpReturn, like you're gonna fucking store it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was kind of that was kind of my point in, in an argument we had had is like, don't worry about it. I'll save it. I'll I'll always know. I'll have it, so it won't be an issue. <laughs> okay. Well, I I just want to reiterate that because like, I mean it's a point that he he banged on for a long time, and I I feel like it was a a misleading statement almost every time. But yeah. that's neither here nor there now. Um, so we went over your history, went over Rare Pepe, went over Bitcoin Mash. We talked about some changes. Well, what changes to Counterparty would you be interested in seeing? Like, is there anything in, not necessarily something you're like gung-ho on going to code and going up to bat for, but like, is there any changes that like when you think about, oh, this would be neat, like, you know, is there anything you want to share or talk? Because I like, raising the the different possibilities because there's like you know a lot of possibilities and there's some that you've suggested recently that i can go over if you want but you know just what it just jump in joe (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean there's a there's a couple that i've thought of as far as like just general functionality that would be cool um like being able to kind of transfer all assets and ownership of an address to another address. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think that would be great, especially for people that have lots of rare Pepe's that might want to like move them somewhere else or, or do something like that. Um, it's also probably like a prerequisite of like SegWit adoption. Yeah, exactly. To get everybody on to SegWit addresses, you can just basically do one transaction and, and get over. I think that's a good point, too. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely like to see that. Um, I think we need, there's, we have some kind of just fundamental issues with uh, getting off the address index patch. I don't really like the solution um, with index DB because. Um, it's now you're introducing um, Node and using um, Node.js for kind of creating your um, your your. Uh, you're breaking up a little. You said you don't like the solution to replacing Adder Index. Is that right? 
Yeah, I don't like the current solution of index DB as a replacement for the address index patch. And, and uh, for what reasons? Because it introduces node and JS into the stack. Yeah, it's like an NPM package, right? Yeah, so I, I really don't like it because of that. And I think it's pretty heavy, a pretty heavy-handed way to get what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I'd like... I have, that's interesting. Um, I haven't um, been able to look into it too deeply, but I know that the latest version of Bitcoin, what they've done is they've like refactored the um, this certain index inside of the node in such a way that it can be reused to build your own indexes. So I think with the latest version of Bitcoin, we might be able to have to make like a sort of make we'll basically make our own Bitcoin address index feature as part of the node, and it would just be like a low level thing. But um, I think not a lot of people have done that yet, and it would be better probably to have somebody else write an index first and then kind of copy their method. But um, yeah, have you seen that? I ha- I haven't. I feel like I was reading through um, the latest RPC docs um and i noticed something that looked like that but i didn't i wasn't kind of smart enough to parse that out of it um but if that's the case i think that's great and that's definitely the way we should go um so yeah any information you have on that send my way i'd, I'd love to kind of it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, uh well keep what other what other changes i'll search for it now but uh other changes um i really want to see um the multi-asset, multi-send transaction um, that's kind of in the pipeline and been in the pipeline um, because I think that message type uh, could be used to uh, integrate counterparty with Lightning um, hmm. because it would. I've never, you, I've never heard that. Yeah, so it would give you the ability to basically like kind of do similar what a Bitcoin transaction does where it sends change back. So uh, like that's how lightning works, right? Because it's basically just um, accounting and, and adding from one side and subtracting to the other side um, of like your balance and my balance in the channel. But in order to do that, you basically have to um, send yourself back the remainder. So in Bitcoin, that's just how um, UTXOs work, but in counterparty, that's not how it works. But I think you could basically create that functionality with um, a message type where you could do multiple sends in a single message. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah so that makes sense. I, so I think that we could that could enable, and then obviously we'd have to build something on top of like C Lightning or LND to integrate that which is a whole thing in and of itself. But I do think it's possible um, to have counterparty assets over Lightning. I think the, uh, the difficulty with counterparty adopting Lightning is around penalties for cheating because with Lightning, um, Bitcoin's like a UTXO-based model, um, whereas with counterparty, it's an account-based model. So... You could be passing back and forth transactions that are counterparty transactions, and it would be possible to drain that channel. 
um, with different transactions than the ones you're passing back and forth because it's account-based. So you would need to have like a, a watchtower. And this is something that Lightning has anyways, they call it watchtowers, but we need something like that that's always monitoring to just see if somebody's doing anything funky in terms of like trying to get, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. you could, like, let's say you're passing back and forth counterparty transactions and you think that you're about to go settle for 10 counterparty and you broadcast it. But that might be an invalid transaction because I've already gone and spent that 10 counterparty somewhere else because it's account-based. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably some some more nuance that to to get something like that working but i i think that if you were to take some of the i guess the layers out of lightning as far as like the hopping and and doing kind of more like a uh like a hub and spoke kind of payment channel thing um i think you might be able to obfuscate some of that out um well, what Lightning might be uh, geared towards is um, optimizing the BTC Pay experience um, and preventing that situation where you've attempted to match an order, but related to fees or whatever, uh, or like that period of time or whatever that things have to occur within. Like, you wouldn't have that edge case. I would say maybe there might be some solution there. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of stuff to think about with that, and mm. that I guess that really it's it's exciting about Lightning because it's it's kind of like how how Bitcoin felt you know years ago, like learning about it and and all the things it can do. So, um, okay, I found I found that the the merged pull request uh, to Bitcoin, and it's um, this pull request refactors the logic in the transaction index. To make it a reusable base class for other indexes. Cool. Yeah. So I think uh, what version? I think it's what version is that? It's the latest version, I would say. But uh, it's this is merged May fifteenth, and it's just merged into Bitcoin Master on May fifteenth. So whatever the mer version was then. Cool. But it's something that's like super new and like not even something that a lot of people would care about. So. Um, it might be. Maybe we'll get lucky and like. Maybe we the guy can, that, Yeah. Maybe we can scan BTC Drac and just be like, "Hey, like, did you know this is a thing now?" And see if he like makes an, a new adder index using this new tech. <laughs> oh, I mean, it might be worth just sending a message to the person that uh, wrote the uh, the PR. Um, That's true. Someone named just, Jimpo. Yeah, and just kind of asking if they'd thought about if they're aware of the address index patch. And that's kind of the cool thing about Bitcoin and like open source stuff in general. Like just, you can just reach out and ask the person that wrote like, uh, that's true. Package of code and, and stuff like that. So I, I've, I've done that in the past and most people are pretty responsive and I've had people email me and ask me questions about stuff that I've written. And as, as long as it's like somebody that, is just asking a question is generally interested. Like I've obviously, I have no problem getting back to them and kind of explaining why it, a thing was written a certain way or, or what the thought was. Right. 
Is there, well, are there any other things that you think would be neat to have? Because, I mean, the thing that you brought up around um, the sort of, like, transfer all at this address, I, I like that change a lot. I really like that change. Because, um, I mean, one of the things I did when I registered all my assets is I kind of, like, spaced them out across, like, 100 addresses. <laughs> and in retrospect, I wouldn't have done that. Like, if I knew what I knew now, I would have probably put them all in one address so that I wouldn't have to, like, uh fund those addresses basically yeah that meant you know instead of like trying to fill up like a hundred fuel tanks i know to fill up like one large fuel tank yeah no i i hear you i have a i have like i have a whole bunch of like wallets that i've created stuff in like not just addresses so yeah i've got like multiple i've got like a list of of like passphrases and wallets and they've all got random stuff in them and it's uh it can definitely be a pain in the ass so it would be nice to kind of clean that up with single transactions so and you could have like if if that feature existed you could have like interesting like portfolio sales that would be really interesting like if you are like a a big collector of pepe or whatever maybe you've collected like every single one of the first season uh, and you have those like at a an address. You could have interesting like sales of that. I mean, there probably have to be like a middleman, like a like a broker. Um, you know, you, you might not totally even that. you might not even have to have a middleman if you thought about that in the kind of design process of that transaction type. Um, you could like create an order, and I know we've talked about this before, like. Um, like creating um, the ability to like sell issuances, um, like sell mm-hmm. the asset right. ownership um, yeah. that, through the decks. And I think that would definitely be possible. I don't see any reason why not. You just have to write the logic that way. So that would be really cool. And that, that would actually be a cool way to do, um, yeah, like sales of a set or like you could, you could send. Sorry, I hear someone moving around the house. It's pretty late. So, um, yeah, no, that that would be yeah. really cool. I th- I think there, I think that's another kind of cool idea is kind of integrating some of the other functions into the decks. So it's not just trading assets, but it's trading mm-hmm. ownership and and stuff like that. I think that's uh, that could really enhance a lot of the features. The one, the one, the two others I'll bring up, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, is I think some other cool changes would be like um, the ability to, and it would be opt in. Um, and you could also, um, I would, well, maybe you could turn it back off, but basically say you could take your asset and if you wanted, I think it would have to be opt in. Um, it would be off on by default is you could say, um, I will allow anyone to, to register sub assets on this asset, for example. I think that'd be a cool flag that you could add to your asset. Um, basically, declaring, like, yeah, anyone can register sub assets under this one. What do you think with that? Yeah, so it's kind of like making it like a, like a, like a TLD almost. Um, Not like a TLD, but it would just be like, say, like with Bitcoins or whatever. Or, Say I was doing like a crypto kitty thing, or I don't know something, and it was just like, you know, or if you're doing like the Bitcoin Mash thing, and it was like, you know, 
you have to make like a sub asset of the bottle asset or something like that. Um, there's like use cases where that would be interesting. And sim and similarly with um, another flag that would be interesting would be like a flag that would um, allow anyone to issue dividends on that asset. So it would just they would be like opt-in things that would be interesting, but like I think they would have to be opt-in. Like most people wouldn't want them. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I mean that the dividend thing that was open for for a while. Like you could um, issue dividends on assets you didn't own. Um, I think by default to have that on would be undesirable for asset owners. But it which is probably neat. why it was turned off. Yeah, um, but it would be neat but, if you if you could just declare like you know like have added us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I think yeah. I think stuff like that would be cool to integrate in. All right. Um, Joe, thanks for being on BitSesh. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your candor. Uh, if you're tuning in, thanks for listening. You can be on the BitSesh by calling 1-888-OK-COINS. All right. Good night, Joe. The town with it, and she shave it all off. Charlie Brown with it, looking all about all the other girls sound fishy. He never caught a whip, that's why he down with it. Yeah, I'm telling you, what this incredible? Oh, this shit edible. Okay, it's like chemical, kiss my genital, my taste medical. Right, like chemicals. Hey, if he get it out when he tastes that shit, turn head off. Oh my god, look, can you see that? She need knee pads. I'm a bad bitch, fuck a pee pad. For the shit, if he don't eat it, he a D bag. He could use a submarine. I call yeah. him Susan. If you down, boy, really down. Baby, let me watch you go to town. This your one chance, baby, never hold it now. Yeah. Let me see you go to town, baby. You go to town, yeah. Baby, let me watch you go to town. This your one chance, baby, never hold it now. Yeah. Yeah, Him a peanut. Yeah. If you're down, boy, really down.